0: Today's reading is from Mark, chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. "'You don't know what you are asking,' Jesus said. "'Can you drink the cup I drink, "'or be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with?' "'We can,' they answered. "'Jesus said to them, "'You will drink the cup I drink "'and be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with, "'but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. "'These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared.' For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many.
1: Well, can I, can I add my welcome to Claire's from the beginning, if you've joined us since the beginning. It's wonderful to see you all here. And um, over these next few weeks on a Tuesday lunchtime, we're going to be particularly looking at what does it mean to follow Jesus Christ through different passages of the Bible. And today, I thought we'd start with the subject of power. And I want to look at this passage that uh, Alison's just read under three headings, our, our natural pursuit of power, the problem of power, and the secret of true power. So first, the pursuit of power. Now we don't need to rack our brains too hard to think of contemporary examples of the pursuit of power here in Parliament, I guess. But perhaps it's a bit too close to home to single out particular examples here. So a little further from home, uh, in recent years I've been fascinated by the example of Seth Blatter, who, um, who became FIFA world president way back in 1998 and he was re-elected five times and there was absolutely no sign of him uh, leaving his office um, voluntarily until he was finally suspended and banned um, from FIFA about three or four years ago. He was desperate to hang on to power at all costs and this is what uh, a former Secretary General of uh, UEFA said about him. He's extremely hungry for power He wants to appear like a king, like an emperor, like the Pope. He sees himself on the level of these people. He can be terribly ruthless. I've heard people say he would sell his own grandmother. When his power is at stake, he will do almost anything to defend it. Now, it's quite easy to pull out uh, colourful examples like Set for uh, illustrative purposes. But the pursuit of power is a universal human experience. And even the disciples of Jesus were not immune to this desire for power. So please do look back um, at those verses, verses 35 to 37 in particular. And I don't know about you, but the more I look at this passage, the more I find it one of the most shocking passages in the whole Bible. Um, Because in the verses that uh, come just before this passage that's printed on our sheet, Jesus has just predicted to his disciples that he's going to be Uh, He's going to go up to Jerusalem uh, and be killed. And in response to this, you might expect that the disciples were going to demonstrate some sympathy uh, in the light of what he's just said. But no, they're they're not thinking about that at all. James and John are basically thinking of their own positions of power. And they still have it in their heads that Jesus is a a kind of political revolutionary at this stage, who's going to take power from the occupying Romans. And when he gets to power, they're very clear that they want to get the top seats in his cabinet. They basically want to be home secretary and chancellor. And these are Jesus' own disciples. And I suggest that all of us are like this to some extent. And of course, our motives for power are are mixed. Some are very good. As we know, power can enable us to do really, really positive things uh, in the world around us. But I think if we're honest about it, it can be a way that we seek uh, approval and recognition in life. It can be a way of acquiring certain things that we want, such as relationships, possession, influence. And I think it can also work as a kind of defensive strategy for life, a way of trying to make our lives as secure and as comfortable as possible. The more we're able to protect our health, and uh, to give our children the best education possible, to live in a safe place, the more we're able to guard ourselves against the uncertainties and dangers of life. However, there are a few problems with this pursuit of power. So that's our second heading, the problem of power. And the first one, I think, is this. The idea that we're actually powerful to control our lives is an illusion, If we're successful in life, we tend to think that we've achieved success through our own uh, hard uh, hard efforts. And I don't want to diminish hard work and determination for a moment. They are necessary to achievement, but they're not sufficient on their own. There are many other factors that determine our success in life. Let's think about it. We didn't choose our own genes. We didn't choose our childhood environment the wealth and capability of our parents, the century and the place that we were born in, so much of what sets the course of our lives is actually out of our control. Donald Trump has fallen for this illusion. In the 2016 presidential campaign, you'll notice that he talked a lot about being a self-made man uh, who'd become rich and powerful through his own hard work and business acumen. What he admitted to mention, of course, was that he started out by inheriting... A multi-million dollar property empire from his father. So in short, we're not the, 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 the powerful, infinite uh, creators that we like to think that we are, but we are actually more finite and dependent creatures, largely dependent on what's been given to us. The second problem about our of power is that it's really vulnerable to factors beyond our control just ask Hillary Clinton or David Cameron. Or Harvey Weinstein, in the last year, one of the the most powerful men in Hollywood who had used his power for decades to get literally anything he wanted from women in particular. And then all that power taken away following just one article in the New York Times that opened the floodgates against him. Our hold on power is vulnerable. But finally, and most significantly, our pursuit of power actually separates us from God. So I suggest to you that all our attempts to gain power in our lives are surface evidence of an underlying desire to be independent from God and to reassure ourselves that we can live quite happily without him. We want to exercise our own power. We don't want someone telling us what to do with our lives. We want to be free to do what we want. It's the great cry of our age. For many years, I used to live uh, in Bethnal Green, just round the corner from where the Cray twins used to live. And when Ronnie Cray died in 1995, he had a huge funeral in East London, I remember it. And he requested that Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way was played during his funeral service. And it's still apparently the most popular song that's played at funerals. We all want to do it our way, independent from God. However, the Bible tells us that in the final analysis, actually, it is God who will do it his way. It is he who holds the power. The God of the Bible is the one who's given us life itself, who sustains our every breath and before whom one day we must all stand as our judge. I think C.S. Lewis put it really brilliantly, it's in a sentence from his book, The Great Divorce. He writes, there are only two kinds of people in the end, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. So there are at least three problems with our pursuit of power. It's illusory, it's vulnerable, and it separates us from God. However, there's a different kind of power that Jesus Christ talks about in this discussion with the disciples in Mark chapter 10, in the passage that we read. And it's a power that we can all possess, regardless of our genes and circumstances. It's not vulnerable to the uncertainties of life. And it unites us with the God who made us. So thirdly, the secret of true power. You'll remember that James and John were trying to grab power for themselves. And then all the other disciples in verse 41, they start joining in uh, with the squabbling. And in response to them, Jesus says something truly astounding in verse 45. He says, actually, in order for them to become powerful... They need first to realise that they are powerless and need rescuing or ransoming. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, Jesus uses the language of the Roman marketplace here, where slaves could be freed by the payment of a ransom. And there have been plenty of famous ransoms paid in modern times for wealthy business people or their children who've been kidnapped, some stretching to hundreds of millions of pounds. The largest historic ransom apparently was paid for the last king of the Incas to the Spanish in Peru in 1533, which which was valued in modern money at one billion pounds. Ransoms. Jesus describes us as people who need ransoming. Think about it. If we have been created to love and worship God, then it stands to reason that we owe him everything. But if we take an honest look at ourselves, we know that we don't live like that. We have an infinite debt to God that we just can't pay ourselves. And the amazing thing is, is that in this verse, Jesus claims here that by giving his life in our place, he paid the debt, he paid the ransom for us. Or to put it another way, he gave up his power so that we might receive his true power. And according to the Bible, true power is to know that we are infinitely loved and forgiven by the God who made us. Isn't that the most powerful thing that any human being could know? If we know that we're loved and forgiven by the God who made us, both now and in eternity, it means that we're liberated from the endless cycle of trying to use power to secure our own recognition, our own influence and our own safety in life. And if we truly grasp this love of God for us, it will take us away from looking inwards to ourselves all the time and outwards to the interests of others. And that's what Jesus is talking about in verses 42 to 44. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you, he says. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. We do naturally turn inwards to serve ourselves but Christ serves us by dying dying and forgiving us, and in turn, he calls us to turn outwards to serve others. It's, t- it's radical. Just, just imagine how our society and how our relationships would be if we, if we truly lived like this. In conclusion, let me tell you about a politician who came to understand this wonderful truth. William Wilberforce. He became an MP in 1780. And by his own admission, he, uh, by his own admission, he was ambitious. He got into Parliament through his private wealth and social connections. And he described his first years in Parliament as follows. The first years in Parliament I did nothing to any purpose. My own distinction was my darling object. However, Five years after he entered Parliament, he became a Christian. And driven by his knowledge of God's love for him and all humanity, the lives of millions were transformed as he went on to secure the abolition of the slave trade in the British Empire. An achievement that the historian G.M. Trevelyan described as a turning point in the history of the world. So the question I want to leave us with this afternoon is who knows what we might do with that kind of power? Let's pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father we confess that we naturally use power to secure our our own identity Recognition and security. And we thank you that Jesus Christ, the most powerful person who ever lived, gave up his power that we might receive the true power of your forgiveness. And we pray that we might be so gripped by that wonderful truth that we would in turn use that power to serve others in love And be a true blessing to the communities and the society in which we live. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.